Welcome. Welcome to the weekend. Everybody up. This is Herded Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. You'll get the insight and latest information on North Dakota State football. From the tailgate lot to the football field, our countdown is on. Here's your host of Heard It Here, Josh Swanson. I told you so. Oh, that sounds good to say. That's music to my ears. I told you so. Fellow folks of Bison Nation, listening to Heard It Here with Swanee on Saturday morning. Hey, I got to catch Swan Force 1 down to Vermilion. After the show today, got to get down there for the Bison versus the Yotes, 2 p.m. Swan Force One cleared for takeoff on runway Frisco. Ringo's Scruffy, you know what I'm talking about. But I told you guys last week, heard it here with Swanee on 740 AM, the fan and 107.3 FM. I said, North Dakota State is going to take care of business. Against Illinois State. Said the Bison are going to dominate those Redbirds. Said the folks like Craig Haley and other members of the Fargo media picking against the Bison. Said don't listen to those guys. You got to trust your old buddy. Your pal Swanee. And lo and behold. What a dominating performance by the Bison. Rolling out to a 21-0 halftime lead and bringing her home in the second half for a resolute precipitous. Hey, that, that word don't even apply here, man. Precipitous? We haven't dropped that one for a while. Precipitous. Glorious second half to come away with a 28-14 win over the then-ranked number seven Illinois State Redbirds to put the Bison at 7-0 overall and 4-0 in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And the Bison are in firm control of their own destiny, not only for the Missouri Valley Football Conference crown, but for a top-two seed in the FCS playoffs. And like Sands and that proverbial hourglass, can you believe that we're only three weeks away from Selection Sunday where the FCS playoff field will be announced. Man, where did the where did the season go, right? Doesn't it just seem like yesterday you were getting ready to go tailgate in some 80-degree weather against Cal Poly, and now many of you are rolling down the herd roaming? Rome like it's home, going down the I-29 corridor to Vermilion, South Dakota to watch the Bison. And here's my first not-so-bold prediction of the morning. There will be more of you in the Dakota Dome in Vermilion come 2 o'clock this afternoon than there will be South Dakota fans. South Dakota has dropped two straight They lost in a monsoon of a game to Youngstown State last weekend, 29-17, and find themselves 3-4, 3-4 and 
three and four overall and two and two in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. And if South Dakota wants any scintilla, there's a there's a fancy legal word for you. If South Dakota has a scintilla, S C I N T I L L A of hope to make the FCS playoffs when that field is announced. They need to win outright. They cannot afford another loss. They got to reel off four straight victories to get to seven and four. And that's a tall order, especially against a North Dakota State team that stacks up very, very well against the Coyotes. Bob Nielsen, coach for South Dakota, excellent football coach, came from Western Illinois by way of Minnesota Duluth with Chris Streveler, who should have been the Walter Payton Award winner last year as the best offensive player in the FCS. He got robbed! So that's the one thing we'll give the Yotes this morning. Y'all had the best offense, well, according to the vote in the numbers. Now, if I got to pick quarterbacks every day of the week and twice on Saturday, I'm going with old number 12, Juggernaut Easton Stick, who has been better than most folks realize this season, I think. And how... How do you say that? I got I got a guy, a lot of Bison fans tweeting at me this week, and I love you guys. You're great. I love the discussion at Swanee, S-W-A-N-Y-8 on Twitter. You can hit me up. Love hearing from you. But uh, one of y'all, I don't know why I'm saying y'all so much. Need some more coffee before I jump on Swan Force One this morning with a direct flight into Brookings. But mention that Easton Stick, the only difference between now and last year, well, his completion percentage is down. Come on. Come on, man. Don't be so nitpicky. He's throwing at a 56% clip this year. Now, yeah, if you ask Courtney Messingham and Randy Hedberg or Chris Kleiman, they probably want that a few notches higher, maybe around 60%. But in the grand overarching scheme of things. Are you paying attention to what Easton Stick is doing on those third and twos, those third and sixes, where opposing defenses just cannot contain him? Last week, the Bison were something like 8-10 on third downs in the first half. They could not stop number 12 on third down. You know how you win football games? You don't need 350 yards passing. You need first downs. You put together a few first downs, and all of a sudden, you're in the red zone. And you know what happens when North Dakota State is in the red zone this year? Let me lay this one on you. They've scored 27 of 30 times. That's above 90% if my math is right. North Dakota State... That's got to be the best in all of college football. 27 of 30 in the red zone this year. And here's where that stat is about to get even sillier. Of those three attempts where they didn't score, two of them, two of them happened when North Dakota State took a knee at the end of the game when they were inside the 10-yard line and could have scored, including this past weekend against Illinois State. And the third time out of those 30 attempts, those three tries where they didn't score in the red zone, the third time was a fumble 
inside the five-yard line against Delaware State that Delaware State picked up and scampered the entire length of the football field for their only touchdown against the Bison. So if you take out the two kneel downs, North Dakota State is 27 of 28 in scoring in the red zone. That I have never seen numbers like that before in my life. That is flat-out goofy, man. It's great. You know what happens when you're putting together first downs and getting into the red zone? North Dakota State is scoring touchdowns, man. They are scoring touchdowns a lot, 24 times, in fact, of those 30 red zone attempts, of those 27 scores in the red zone, 24 touchdowns. The Bison are finishing drives, and you know who's Flying that airplane, driving that car, captaining that ship. That's Easton Stick, man. That's Easton Stick putting together those drives, those first downs. Did the same thing against Illinois State. Those first few drives, Darius Shepard. How about number 20? Finally getting his due from the FCS as one of the best wide receivers and skill players in the country. Just a ho-hum, another game where Darius Shepard goes for a career high. How many times have we said that this season, right? Against the Redbirds, Shep hauls in six passes for a career high, 126 yards and two punt returns, totaling 103 yards to put himself at a total yardage against the Redbirds of 229 yards in both those punt returns. Those set up North Dakota State scores, including a backbreaker early in the third quarter. Illinois State booms that punt. Chef gets it around the 17, goes left, breaks a couple tackles. He's going to go to the 40 to the 30 before being pushed out of bounds. Sets up a short field for the Bison and a touchdown. Tell you what, you take a look at the statistics, the analytics. Number three in the country in punt returns. Darius Shepard, nationally ranked, number one in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, averaging 19.3 yards a return. That means he's given him he's given the Bison the equivalent of two first downs every time he touches a ball on a punt. And North Dakota State is winning the field possession game, position game rather. And they're winning it by leaps and bounds. And oh, by the way, his counterpart on special teams, the punter, the punter, Garrett Wagner, he's 18th in the country, number two in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. He's averaging 42.9 yards per punt. And we saw him again last week pin the Redbirds inside the five-yard line how many times? The one time he pinned him at the one, and and why wouldn't that be the one drive where Illinois State goes coast to coast for their first touchdown? Tell you what, though, we'll take the final result, won't we? 28-14, to 14, Bison keep rolling on. Sets up a big one again. All of them are big, aren't they? The Missouri Valley Football Conference. You get to that point of the season where we've got four games left, sports fans. North Dakota State. Starts that four-game finale to the regular season in Vermilion. The Bison matchup 
awfully well against South Dakota. They got a new quarterback, Chris Strevler, matriculated, graduated, playing up in the land of Labatt's beer in Canada. Austin Simmons throwing for about 300 yards a game. I watched him play against Kansas State in the opener, a game that South Dakota probably should have won. They probably should have won down in Manhattan. Couldn't quite pull it off against the Wildcats. On the flip side of the coin, USD has not been able to run the ball this year at all, and that's that's where they're different from last season. Chris Strebler was a guy who could put an entire team on his shoulders, throw the ball, run the ball, B-button, B-button, spin, picking up first downs, doing his thing. Well, this year, South Dakota is rushing for under 100 yards a game. They have the 107th-ranked Russian offense in the country. You want to beat North Dakota State? Y'all know the formula for that, beating the Bison. You need a dual-threat guy. You need to be able to run the football. You need to be able to shorten the game, shorten the number of possessions. South Dakota on paper. And I hate that as much as you do on paper. Because what's the one certainty in the FCS this season other than the fact the Bison just keep on winning? Well, all heck, all Hades, all sorts of discombobulation is broken loose in the FCS. Underneath the Bison is every week on a week-to-week basis a top five team, a top ten team falls. And the Bison are not immune from that. But! But, 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 but. This group of bison is locked in. And I I like, comparisons are fun, right? You can compare all these championship teams, collect them all. Six out of seven, what's your favorite bison championship? 2013 team dominant, undefeated, win over Kansas State, beat their opponents in the playoffs by 31 points on average or something ridiculous like that. I remember talking to guys before that season, members of that 2013 team. They were on a mission. They were on a mission not just to win a national championship. They wanted to leave no doubt. They wanted to go wire to wire, undefeated, heavyweight champions, and be known as one of the best teams in the FCS. And I'm not going to jinx it, but we got to start talking about it. You heard it. Heard it here first, Don. Heard it here with Swanee. Check out our show page at 740thefan.com. You heard it here first. This Bison team could find itself when it's all said and done in the rarefied air of that 2013 team. These guys are locked in. They are laser-focused. Every week when I talk, to these players about the upcoming opponent, about the season. Guys like Jalen Allison, Robbie Grimsley, Tanner Volson, Bruce Anderson. We got Tanner Volson coming up in a couple minutes here. They are dialed in, laser sharp. I'm almost afraid to talk to these guys, focused. They've got some sort of Chip on their shoulder. They got something to prove. And I I will tell you what, the look, just the look in their eyes and their demeanor 
when you go down to that media area and you see all these guys milling about, when we're about to talk to Tanner here and bring him on, heard it here, there is just something in their voice. I want you to listen to that. When you're listening to Tanner Volson, I want you to listen how dialed up and focused these guys are because they're on a mission, a mission from God to be the number one seed undefeated and make a special run in the FCS playoffs. Folks, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to have North Dakota State center Ram offensive lineman Tanner Volson on. Heard it here with Swan. Every week, Swanee goes one-on-one with NDSU's playmakers, the guys who make it happen for the Bison and continue the program's tradition and excellence. These guys are the strength of the herd. Heard it here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan and 107.3 FM. We're joined by the pride of McHenry County, North Dakota, Tanner Volson, former nine-man football player, now starting center for the Bison, all-conference player, Tanner, a long way from uh, back home in McHenry County to be starting for the Bison. Yeah, it's, it's a long way. It's a long journey to come from a small town to this. I mean, a lot of challenges we're going to face along the way. What, what's that like for you being a, a small-town North Dakota guy growing up where the Bison were such a big deal? You get recruited for the Bison, now you're in the middle of another run at a conference championship, 7-0. and What's that mean for you being a kid from North Dakota? It just... For NDSU, for North Dakota, most North Dakota, it's, it's our pro team right now because we have nothing higher than that. So just kind of like a pride thing coming up and getting to play here, coming from North Dakota. Was there, I know playing nine-man football, you got you know the head coach and maybe one assistant coach don't really have a dedicated offensive line coach teaching you technique. Was that a pretty big learning curve coming into NDSU as far as technique and stuff like that? Yeah, it was a big step trying to learn the technique and the different type of blocking techniques and the uh, way plays form around the blocking because we never had that. With the, the Rams this year especially, you guys are doing really, really well, running the ball well. You've played some, some really good defenses, good opponents. Another test this weekend down in Vermilion. What do you guys know about South Dakota? They're solid. They're, they're a good team. They'll be a challenge. It'll be like every other Missouri Valley team. It'll be... A challenge we have to bring our A game because in this conference, anybody can beat anybody. You guys have to feel pretty good about the way you've been able to establish the run, especially in you know second half, later part of games. The, the team might not be scoring, might be a little more conservative on offense, yet you guys are able to pile up first downs and run out the clock. And as a Ram, that's got to be a point of pride for you guys, knowing you can run the ball. It is a big point to being able to move the line, and it's just – Something that you're used to here. Uh, that's part of the job being an alignment here. What's that like for you guys playing with a quarterback like Easton Stick, who's not only able to beat teams with the pass, but he's so elusive and so effective as a runner. What's that like for you as an offensive line trying to block for a guy like number 12? You don't really think about it at the time, but you, it's a, it's a confidence thing knowing that he's back there. He's a, he's a great player, and it just you just go and do your job. With, uh, in addition to Easton Stick, you got Bruce Anderson, Lance Dunn, Ty Brooks, some really, really good running backs. What's for uh, for the offensive line blocking for those guys? Do they each bring something a little bit different to the table? Do you adjust anything you're doing schematically as an offensive line when one of those guys are in the game or not? No, you just go and block. It's the same way no matter who's in the backfield. In halftime, a lot of us don't even know who's in the backfield unless we look during the huddle, but... You just block the same for everybody. Now with uh, 
the Rams up front between passing and running the ball. You guys much rather have uh, Coach Messingham dialing up those runs so you can go out and just level people or run past. Doesn't matter to you guys. I mean, for a pride thing and coming from NDSU, it's, you want to run the ball. But whatever he decides, we just have to bring our best. Senior season for you, how special is that? You're playing with a big senior class. You guys have been through a lot together, conference titles, national championships, now you know, the number one team in the nation. Has this year been any different for your guys as a, as a senior class, especially sitting at 7-0 and undefeated right now? We don't really look at the records much, especially our senior class, if you like, doesn't because we've been through adversity through all of it. And it just, we just know we have to, we're pretty together as a group, I feel like, and that's helped us a lot. With uh, being in North Dakota State, your brother Cordell recently joined you. You know, Jabril and Jasir Cox, another set of brothers on the team. What's that like for you to be able to play football at North Dakota State with your brother? It's a pretty cool feeling, knowing growing up playing football with him, and he's here with you again still playing football. It's just a cool feeling to have. It's got to make the folks back home in Belfort, North Dakota, pretty proud to see not just one of the Bolson boys, but two of them out there playing for North Dakota State. Yeah, it, it makes him pretty proud, and it eliminates some traveling when we're both on the same team, too. Tanner Bolson, pride of McHenry County, North Dakota, here with us on Heard It Here with Swanee and 740 AM Fan. Tanner, with uh, you know national championship expectations, we hear a lot about one week at a time, one week at a time. We've talked to Coach Riley on Heard It Here before. Now that you're so deep into the season, what are some of the things that you guys as a position group, the offensive line, that you want to work on and get better on heading into the uh, home stretch of the conference season here? We always have everybody on the old line has something they have to work on. Every week we strive to be improved in any way possible. So it's just a constant improvement. That drive to keep getting better and better is a key. Is it exciting for you guys? I mean, I know there's the one-week-at-a-time approach, but the conference season – Guys get banged up, guys get beat up, and now with the, the playoffs starting to creep up on it, is that something you guys get a little extra motivation, excited for, knowing that a conference championship is just within reach, or is it still that one, one week at it's a time just, mentality? It's just one week at a time. Just keep grinding every week just as important as the, as the one before and the one after it. Tanner, best of luck to you this weekend and uh, the rest of the way. Thank you. Tanner Volson's not messing around, man. Pride of McHenry County, North Dakota. Nine-man football starting for the Bison. Road graders, the Rams. Here's, here's a prediction, friends. Bison rushing game is going to have a big, big afternoon down in Vermilion. South Dakota State's rushing defense is 73rd in the country. That's not a ranking you want. We knew, we knew who the cowards were. We knew who the coyotes are. little Denny Green for you. Back in the day, let him off the hook. Well, the Bison won't be letting anyone off the hook. But by the time you get seven, eight games into a season, the analytics, the numbers, the data, they don't lie. South Dakota, 73rd in the country in rush defense, giving up 183 yards per game. And they haven't seen a rushing attack as good as North Dakota State's rushing offense. Bruce Anderson's a question mark. I think we will not be seeing him today. I think it'll be the Lance Dunn and Ty Brooks show. They had some nice afternoons last weekend against Illinois State. Dunn rushing for three touchdowns, kind of like Chris Carter. All he does is score touchdowns. The Bison should be able to run the ball this afternoon. Big day. Big day in FCS football. A lot 
going on. A lot going on around the Missouri Valley Football Conference, Northern Iowa at Western Illinois. Western Illinois, if they can put that one in the back pocket, they catapult themselves back into the playoff discussion. And South Dakota State or Illinois State, one of those teams is going to have three conference losses after this afternoon. Who would have thought that? South Dakota State or Illinois State is going to lose back-to-back conference games and might have to win out just to even make the FCS playoffs. We're going to talk about that on the FCS Face the Nation roundtable with Chase Miller in just a few minutes. want to thank our sponsors here on Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan, and 107.3 FM. Peterman Seeds, Seberg Power Sports, Essentia Health, Yonke Insurance, Altendorf Trucking, and Welton's Tire Service. We're going to take a quick fiver, but when we come back, Chase Miller from 740 The Fan, we're going to go around the FCS roundtable, and there's an awfully big one. Bison fans rolling down I-29, waking up this Saturday morning. Well, I'm going to put a turd in your coffee because we got to talk about the game at the Alaris Center between North Dakota and Weber State, and it's entirely possible that if North Dakota wins this football game, they got a path to be a seeded team and could be on a collision course with the Bison this postseason. How fun will that be? More Heard It Here with Swanee coming up right after this. Wheels up. Tray tables and seat backs in their upright position. Sky is sunny. Some perfect bison weather for taking Swan Force One across the friendly skies to Vermilion, South Dakota. You are listening to the silky smooth tones of Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan and 107.3 FM. Check out our show page at 740thefan.com. Told you earlier in the show, Easton Stick was putting up some numbers. Let me throw these ones out at you. Analytics, the data. I'm your data guru. For Chase Miller jumps on from 740 The Fan, and we do the FCS Face the Nation Roundtable. Here's something for you folks to put in your cup with some ice. Passing efficiency, NCAA, Easton Stick, number 11 in the country, number two in the Missouri Valley. Yards per completion, Easton Stick. Number six in the country, in this great United States, coast-to-coast, Easton Stick is number six in passing yards per completion, averaging 16.18 yards per catch. Number one in the Missouri Valley Football Conference and yards per pass attempt. There's that old juggernaut, number 12, number five in America. Number one in the Missouri Valley Football Conference is a guy that goes by the name Easton Stick. Oh, by the way, yards per reception. Chase, how about this? I had no idea of this till I took a gander at the statistical breakdown. Yards per catch, Darius Shepard, 30 yards per catch. Wow. It's uh, one of those deals. I know this is going to be a, a, a big stretch, Swanee, for how well Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are doing. But Darius Shepard and the um, Dallas Freeman kind of remind me of a college football team's version of Diggs 
and Thielen, right? Because Shepard is a big playmaker down the field. They line him up in a lot of different positions. But if he's not open, it seems like Stick is finding Dallas Freeman with some 10-yard out routes, maybe a quick slant, maybe just a curl route where he's – those are 1A and 1B, and then the tight ends and the running backs. We haven't seen the screen game this year we haven't. Th- that much yet, but at the same time, when you can throw the football up as Easton Stick did to Darius Shepard on the third play against Illinois State last week, dropped it right in the bucket to him, there's a reason why Darius Shepard is getting all those yards. And, oh, by the way, Easton Stick didn't really break any records as we talked about last week on the show – Swanee, you know, because they rush the football. I mean, you said it, you know, I was driving in. You said it, Lance Dunn had three rushing touchdowns. So I, I assume we're going to probably see that a little bit more today at the Dakota Dome as well. Last year against the Coyotes, Easton Stick had what was probably the best game of his collegiate career numbers-wise. He went uh, 11 for 12, completed his first 11 passes, threw for a career-high 307 yards passing and one touchdown in North Dakota State's 49-14 to win. Ty Brooks. Rushed for a career high, 152 yards against the Coyotes. And, and you got to figure, though, Chase, with the, the matchup setting up like it is, South Dakota's porous rush defense and the way North Dakota State has been able to run the ball. You know, Tanner Volson was on earlier this morning. He said those Rams, they'll do whatever they're told to do, but they take some pride and they love great in the road and running that football. And, and you would think, that North Dakota State should be able to have success running the ball this afternoon. That's been one of the knocks on Bob Nielsen's team, though, at South Dakota since he's taken over, is their inability defensively to limit rushing games, whether it's uh, maybe Northern Colorado earlier in the year when they were healthy, obviously what Weber State did when USD went out to Ogden, Utah, and, and fell in that football game against the Wildcats. It's one of those deals where if USD really wants to get into the conversation of not just making the playoffs and having a Strebler that can take you to the second round and possibly farther. If you want to become that next team that's going to get into the quarterfinals, team that's going to get into the semifinals on a year-in and year-out basis, you have to stop the run defensively and then force the quarterbacks to throw it against you. This year in the Valley, there's a lot of three-year starter quarterbacks. There's a lot of quarterbacks who have experience under their belt belt next year it's going to be a little bit different when all these guys are graduating specifically Christian at South Dakota State stick at North Dakota State but at the end of the day the one thing that NDSU has been able to do well against South Dakota under Bob Nielsen being there and that is run the football with authority South Dakota leads the Missouri Valley in sacks given up so when you take a look at what they do well and what they don't do well they're struggling to run the ball they're struggling to stop the run. They're having a tough time protecting their quarterback, Austin Simmons, who's a pretty good quarterback, throwing for 297 per game. Cole Green just has to be salivating, thinking we can get pressure on this guy and we can have a big day. And I, I expect that the Bison defense will be able to make some hay going after Simmons. And, and South Dakota, I think we'll see a lot of three-step drops, quick releases, some quick hitters they're not going to have the time to try to get the ball downfield on some of these five-step longer type developing plays. The one thing that NDSU maybe hasn't seen as much of this year has been an up-tempo offense. And, you know, being at the Dakota Dome, you know it's not going to be too ruckus as it is inside the Fargo Dome. So that's my only concern, maybe the first possession or two, if USD can hit a five-yard outplay or a five-yard quick hit or maybe get a 15-yard play down the field. If they get back to the line and maybe run the ball, get nothing but get to the line, throw the football – 
if they can get some traction early with their up-tempo offense, put NDSU on their heels defensively, then USD is going to feel like, okay, they got a footing in this game. They, they've done some things well. Even if they score three points in their opening possession, they, they feel a lot more comfortable that you can move the ball down the field. Because if you open a game like you did against Delaware, for example, where you throw an interception, or a game against Cal Poly where the offense just isn't going to be there, it's going to be a long day if you're a Yotes fan. But this is an offense that NDSU really hasn't seen too much of this year with, uh, again, a team that's going to look to try to get 70, 80, 90 plays in a game if they can do so in South Dakota. And that, that's something I – if South Dakota comes out, puts up a touchdown early, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised by that. I think over the course of the game, North Dakota State has been so good the last few years going back to even that championship season in 2011 – but especially under Chris Kleiman, the defense has been so good at adjusting and making necessary adjustments. We saw that against Northern Iowa earlier this year. You give up all those points in the first half, but you only you give up 24 in the first half, keep them to seven in the second half. So I think, you know, South Dakota may be able to get some stuff going offensively right away. I would expect they're going to throw some wrinkles out at the Bison. You might see some gadget or gimmick, gimmicky kind of plays early on, try, try to get one down the field, pop one on North Dakota State. I just think of this as this game wears on, North Dakota State, the ability to run the ball and control the football, I, I just don't see South Dakota being able to stop that. And so long as North Dakota State takes care of the ball, doesn't put it on the carpet, they should be in pretty good shape. But you know the, the thing that impresses me about these Bison Chase is week after week, there really hasn't been a game yet where they've inflicted damage upon themselves, where they've had a lot of penalties or a lot of turnovers. They've been very, very disciplined so far, which is reflected in their 7-0 and record and being 4-0 in the Valley. And that's why you get under Easton Stick, even though he did throw a reception early in the first half against Illinois State, you know, as they're marching down the field. But that's what you get with a senior-led quarterback, over 20 seniors on the roster. This is a team that has the experience. They understand that, you know what, a three and out here is better than forcing a situation. Or, you know what, throwing the football away and letting Cam Peterson come on and kick a 40-yard field goal is better than Easton Stick trying to go into double coverage to find Darius Shepard. And that's what you get with the senior laden quarterback. I know we'll get to the predictions a little bit later on, Swanee, but I think NDSU is going to have a pretty good day. Now, granted, there's been losses before where NDSU hasn't played well. One maybe is Indiana State a few years ago where they had a lot of interceptions, to your point, to the turnover. But if they take care of the ball, if they come ready to play in the first quarter, then all of a sudden maybe they start doing things uh, pretty well. And I know one thing that uh, driving in and listening to you before I came on is there's a lot of games across the FCS that are going to have implications in the Valley, in the Big Sky, there's a couple of good ones in the CAA, too, Swanee. And, and those matchups, not for more so Bison fans if they take care of business, but for South Dakota State fans, for Fighting Hawk fans, for a lot of intrigue in the area, um, South Dakota State could have three losses. UND could have three losses after today. There's a lot of big-time matchups that's going to determine what we're going to see Wednesday when the quote-unquote bracket gets uh, revealed before the end of the regular season. A lot of talk this week about three Big Sky teams being in the top six of the Stat FCS poll with Eastern Washington, or excuse me, Weber State at three, East, or no, four. four. Eastern Washington at four, uh, Weber State at five, and UC Davis mm -hmm. at six. UC Davis has to go to Washington Grizz in Missoula today and has a big one against Montana, who, by the way, is also fighting for their playoff lives, and especially we'll talk about that here after the commercial break. The game in Grand Forks is so critically important today because the winner 
between Weber State and North Dakota is going to have a toehold on getting a seed if they can take care of business the rest of the way. And that could set up where North Dakota could find themselves with a seed and very likely find themselves with a potential quarterfinal matchup playing the Bison in the Fargo Dome. And what, what a game that would be. Oh, by the way, to get there, North Dakota would probably have to go through South Dakota State, who probably played them. And it, there's, there's four weeks left. All kinds of stuff could break loose today if what's happened previously this year happens today with upsets and teams losing that shouldn't lose, all kinds of wackiness. South Dakota State has probably played their way out of a seed with the loss against Northern Iowa last week. And if they lose, if the Jackrabbits lose to Illinois State today, they'll have to win out just to have a shot at the playoffs, which is goofy to think about for how good as South Dakota State has been, for how tough they played North Dakota State, having Taron Christian as a senior quarterback who's been the best quarterback in their history. They're going to be in a world of hurt if they lose down at Illinois State today. One of the things I want to get to real quick here, what do you make of the fact, going into the season, I thought North Dakota State's tight ends, mm-hmm. they've got just a plethora of tight ends. They were really going to use those guys in the offense, and, and we had Randy Hedberg on the Bison Illustrated podcast this summer. You can check out all of our Bison Illustrated weekly podcasts at bisonillustrated.com. But he alluded to all that talent, all those tight ends, and even using – the running backs out of the backfield as wide receivers. We haven't seen that yet this year. Our tight ends only have 12 combined receptions. Is that one of these weeks, Courtney Messingham is going to pull that out of the hip pocket and just go to town on something like that. But when do we see that part of the Bison offense? Well, and, you know, the Bison didn't look right in the second half against Illinois State, but let's be honest, they didn't have to show much. And there's been a lot of games this year where the game hasn't maybe been quote-unquote completely in hand at halftime, but – I think a lot of people felt comfortable that the Bison should take care of business against Illinois State once it was 21-zip. They come out, score a touchdown, made it 28-0. Well, you know the playbook that Courtney Messingham is going to call is about five plays, Swanee, right? Run to the left, run to the right, play action left, play action right, run up the middle. I mean, they're not going to really show anything that they don't have to. So until we get into another South Dakota State game where it gets into the fourth quarter, maybe more of a UNI kind of game where it was a battle for three quarters in the fourth quarter, it kind of came out. Then you're going to see some more wrinkles on the offensive front for North Dakota State. And that's that's where I'm at right now when I talked earlier in the show about how good is this North Dakota State team. The fact that in the second of half of every football game this season, with the exception of South Dakota State and then the Bison taking apart the Panthers at the Uni Dome, outscoring them 28 to zero in the fourth quarter, this Bison offense hasn't had to show a lot in the second half. That they've been able to do exactly that: establish the run. There's nothing fancy about it. There's nothing sexy about it. It's hard hat, lunch pail, bison football. There are so many clubs in their proverbial bag that they can use. And at some point, I think you're right. At some point, I think we see that. I don't think it's this week. I think the bison will be able to run the ball. We'll talk about that in the game day picks segment of the show coming up. I want to thank several of our sponsors, Valley Tire, Wellness Tire Service, Chris Heisey, American Family Insurance Agent, Legacy Wealth Management, and TRS Industries. This is Heard It Here with Swanee at 7.40 a.m. The Fan and 107.3 FM. We're going to have your game day. Take it to the bank. Predictions coming up. We're taking it to the bank. 
Iswani brings you his lock-solid prediction for this week's game. Just <clears throat> don't bet the house on it or anything, okay? Oh, my God. Are you serious? They're fueling up air. Air Force One. I've got the best plane. It's a big plane. Swan Force One, friends. They're uh, fueling up Swan Force One. It's on standby over at Hector International Airport, and we'll load her up to get down to Vermilion on the I-29 corridor after we wrap here in a few minutes. Heard it here with Swanee on 7.40 a.m. The Fan, 107.3 FM. We got our FCS Face the Nation roundtable with Chase Miller. Chase, the, the one certainty outside of North Dakota State being so dominant this year in the FCS is that we really don't know week to week what's going to happen as stuff continues to sort itself out and teams that aren't supposed to lose, lose. And lo and behold, last weekend in October, we got another big set of games starting with Weber State playing up at the Alaris. And on top of that, CAA, it's a make or break weekend out there with Stony Brook having a chance to take down the Dukes of James Madison at Bridgeforth Stadium in Harrisonburg. Number 10, Towson is at number 21, Delaware, who, oh, by the way, all they've done since losing to the Bison is win football games, find themselves at 5-2. and two. And, of course, we talked about the South Dakota State-Illinois State game. There's going to be a lot that shakes out today in the FCS world. There really is. And to go to your first point at the Alaris Center, again, both Weber State and UND are 5-2. and two, And both teams like to run the football and stop the run. So normally Big Sky games, you might say, well, they're going to be in the 30s or 40s for points. And points, you know, given up and points, you know, uh, take for, for the offense where this game might be a good old-fashioned, let's take it to the backyard right now, Swanee. Here's a football. Let's put the leather helmets on and let's get at it. It might be a 21-14 kind of ball game, and that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll hear from Brent Hine, the beat writer for Weber State, and my show coming up after your show follows to hear more about the Wildcats. Winner of that game, as you mentioned earlier, probably has an inside track of being a seed barring they don't lose with one of their games down the stretch. You look at the CAA, some great matchups out there um, with what James Madison can do against Stony Brook. Both teams with two losses. Towson at Delaware. The Tigers, uh, they're 6-1 on the season. If they pick up a win at Delaware, they probably feel like they're already in the playoffs because here you go, Swanee. 7-4 and four this year might not be as bad as previous years with how many losses that we're seeing from these, quote, power conference teams. There's going to be a lot of coaches lobbying that Saturday night before selection Sunday who are sitting at seven and four trying to justify and make the case why they ought to be in the playoffs over other seven and four teams. And if we've seen anything in the last few years, you want to control your own destiny. And if I'm John Stigemeyer, if I'm Brock Spack, if I'm any of those head coaches with the seven and four team, you're going to have a long restless night that Saturday because there's going to be a jumble of teams from the Missouri Valley, from the CAA, and from the Big Sky, all sitting there at 7-4 and four, saying, well, the Big Sky is the best conference in FCS. Or Missouri Valley Football Conference went 5-3 and three against the Big Sky and the Big Sky Valley Challenge. Or the CAA saying, well, what about us? We've got five teams that are in the top 20. Someone from those power conferences is going to get left out. And it'll be interesting to see who does reputation in South Dakota State and Taryn Christian, what they've done. Does that get them in at 7-4? and four? Well, if, if I'm the Jack... <laughs> rabbits. I want to take care of business against Illinois State so I don't have to worry about it. And just the fact we're sitting here talking three weeks out, four weeks out rather, that 
South Dakota State or Illinois State after today is going to have a lot of work to do to solidify a playoff spot. The the FCS is, and what about, you know, Kennesaw State? We haven't talked about them. Eastern Washington at number five, they've got a game against Idaho, and we were talking about that during the commercial break. Idaho is a team after dropping down from FBS. You're really not sure what to make of them. They're three and four. Does Gubrud play? He practiced this week for Eastern Washington, but is that a game where they're in trouble because offensively, the Eagles are nowhere near as good without Gubrud as they are with him. So it's another wacky throw it up Saturday. Yeah, it's one of those deals where you start going again, like you said, take care of business that's in front of your own window. I mean, I look at the Montana game against UC Davis, and if the Grizz win that football game, all of a sudden they're five, have a five and three on this season. They have a top 10 a win against an Aggie team after having how many turnovers against UND a couple weeks ago, so they look a lot better. But in the Valley, you know, Indiana State and Youngstown State both are three and four. They're saying, hey, what if we were to win out? Maybe we can get to seven wins and pick up a quality couple of wins. You know, UNI is four and three. Western Illinois is three and four. The loser of that game is going to feel like their backs are to the wall. Western pretty much has to win to have a shot, even though they've made it at six and five before into the postseason. But UNI, their next game is Illinois State. So there's another opportunity for UNI if they can win these next two weeks. They get to 6-3. and three. They feel pretty good about themselves. But if they were to lose to Western at Macomb today, then you almost have to win out to feel like you're going to get to the spot that we're talking about, which, again, 8-3 and three is normally you're in if you're in a one, a, one of the power conferences. Normally that gets you in with what your resume is. But now, Swanee, as we dive deeper into these teams, what's their quality wins? What might be a really bad loss? And that has some implications, too, if you played a – Iowa State, or if he played a Colorado State, that can have implications with that committee come Selection Sunday. The rest of the valley underneath North Dakota State is cannibalizing themselves. Mm-hmm. It is it is just a jumble. You've got one, two, three, four, five teams at two and two in the league. Northern Iowa at three and one, but they're four and three overall, so they don't have too much margin for error. We got to get to the pickums though, man. North Dakota State and Vermilion, the Bison can jump to five and zero oh in the league, eight and zero oh overall. They're going to be heavy favorites. How do you see things shaking out down in South Dakota today? Well, again, I, I mentioned it earlier in the show. The tempo offense is going to be big for NDSU's defense just to see that. But for me, Swanee, I think NDSU is going to take care of business on the ground. You kind of mentioned it earlier. If they don't have really any self-inflicted wounds or they do well on the special teams front, they should be able to take care of business. And this, I feel like Swanee here with my prediction, how lopsided I'm making it, it's going to be 38-14. to I'll say 38-14 Bison because the Yotes will get like a garbage touchdown in the fourth quarter. I can't be outdone. <laughs> Swan Force One's flying down to Vermilion, picking up the in-laws on the way. Brother-in-law Joe, sister-in-law Becky and her husband Lloyd, and they're Yotes fans. But you better bring a cushion down to that game because you're going to need it to sit in on the way back because you're going to get your butts kicked. This one's going to get out of hand. The bison rolling down the corridor of I-29. The herd roaming like it's home. Bison Nation, takeover, invasion, infestation, going nuts in Vermilion. And they're going to bring home a big win. How big? 56 to 10 big. 56 to 10. Bison Nation, this is Herded here with Swanee on 740 AM. The fan reminding you that the strength of the herd is the bison. And the strength of the bison is the herd. Yeah, that was not terrible.